vicious. Good evening. Welcome to New York Talk. Uh, this is the Talking United podcast. A day later than normal, um, but if you don't know why, we'll explain later. Because uh, there is no reason for this one. So thank you all for joining us. Um, we have a full house again. Mick, Danny, and Will from Tivoli viewers joining us again. Thank you for joining us, boys. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, how are we all doing? Are we all happy and excited for the national break to finally end? <laughs> Proper football to come back. <laughs> it feels I mean, like these. I think we probably are. But I'm not sure whether uh, our players will be after after their exploits. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good point. We'll come on to uh, Chio, Shane Ferguson, and Cody. I think. Although we talked about a couple of them last week, we'll, we'll cover them again. Uh, the main point tonight is to look ahead to Saturday afternoon. Uh, Pompey comes to town. Uh, and see how we think it's going to go, uh, how inevitable it is that George Hurst is going to score, the usual kind of thing that we cover on this podcast. Um, so, yeah, Mick, Pompey, it's, a, it's difficult with Pompey because you just assume that they're going to be up there. They're a, they're a massive club for this level, along with other clubs. Um, what, what, do you think, what do you expect from tomorrow? I don't know. It's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. Um They've not got off to a great start, or not the start that you would have anticipated they, they, they would have got off to. Um, but maybe they're slow burners, I don't know. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? Um, didn't they just put four past Sunderland, though, prior to yeah, the international break? Yeah, but it was one of the wettest pitches there's ever been, though, weren't it? Well, yeah, that's maybe. It doesn't really matter, does it, you know? Um yeah, it's going to be a tough game. But they're all tough, aren't they? They're all tough in this league. But mm. this one more than any. Um, probably just, uh, probably with the exception of the Sunderland game, um, these are the two clubs that are going to have the biggest away following um, of the season that we'll see, um, with the exception of uh, our noisy neighbours. Um, so, you know, that, that that could have an impact on the game as well. But I still back us, I think. Mm. Yeah, well, what do you expect? We've had key players missing for the international break, but it's we've still had, for the most part, two weeks off with players rested up and working on anything that need to work on. We weren't, we weren't doing too badly before break, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess we came into the international break in, in pretty uh, decent fettle, six unbeaten. Um, so, to some extent, I reckon uh, the international break probably came at the wrong time for us. Um, but this next month or, or certainly six weeks is going to define, I think, where our ambitions will be within the season. We've got a really tough Pompey side that, for me, haven't really hit the ground running as of yet, mm. but have the squad that is more than capable to, to be challenging for playoffs this uh, this year. So lots of really interesting uh, additions which I'm I'm sure we'll speak about uh, throughout the the show tonight but uh, they have a lot of quality that we need to uh, to be aware of and um yeah I'm expecting a, a very very tough game tomorrow mm. yeah and on Pompey Danny they've got the Cowleys in charge and I know it's early days from another still working but we know how difficult they can set up teams to be they've, they've also got the positives but they can make life very difficult for their opposition number. And they did it yeah. in Lincoln a couple of years ago. 
Yeah, they can. And uh, I think Portsmouth is uh, the start of a very interesting run for us that will probably define where we'll sit this season. Maybe not overall, but certainly how we'll play against some of the bigger teams. Um, but Portsmouth did have a bit of a hiccup in form, if you like. I mean, they didn't win for seven games until they put four past Sunderland. So that's quite quite a way to go. We're not um, quite we're not going down quietly. We can still be a team that's going to be up there four nil. Um, so I think they'll come into this game hoping to do a similar turnover with us. Whether or not they do, I don't. I don't think they'll score four certainly. Uh, but like Will nope says, not. yeah, <laughs> like Will <laughs> says, it, it will be a very hard game. Um, but I think all our players are well rested and up for it. And I think Portsmouth might have that little niggle in the back of the mind that they've just lost two 0 to Sutton United. Granted, it were a mm. changed team, but you know, losing two 0 to a team who's just come up from the National League must at least sit on your mind a little bit, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah, probably. Well, a bit more. Let's talk a bit more Pompey. The good thing for us is that Ronan Curtis is suspended, which is a big plus. He is a very dangerous player. But they're not short on other options, are they, really? <laughs> I mean, the embarrassment of riches that, that Portsmouth have got are unbelievable. You know, you take uh, you take Curtis uh, out of the side, but they've still got quality in Marcus Harness, who I think is unbelievable for this level. John Marquis, we all we know all too well for, for his time at, at Donny. Um, and they, they have pace to burn, which for us it could potentially be problematic. Um, they are a side that likes to have uh, a little bit more of the ball, so averaging about 55% possession at the moment um, in, in uh, each of the games. Um, so expect to see them have a little bit more of the ball uh, than us. One thing that has been sort of really apparent throughout the game so far is they aren't really scoring a lot of goals. Um, so that's an area that, you know, Danny said that he didn't think that they'll put four past us. I definitely don't think they'll put four past us. Um, that said, the international break for, for a team like the Cowleys is is a godsend because yeah. you know how meticulously organised that side's going to be. They've only conceded 10 goals already this season, which makes them one of the most difficult uh, defences to breach. Um, so I'm expecting a really tight encounter tomorrow. But yeah, you're absolutely right. They've got so much uh, so much quality throughout the side, you know, uh, looking from right from the back. Um, you know, Gavin Bazuno. Bazunu, sorry, is probably the best goalkeeper in League One. If you take away uh, the Wednesday fans that are saying it's uh, Bailey Peacock Farrell, which um, I think is proven over the last month or so, that's not the case. Um, Bazunu um, actually stopped a, a Ronaldo penalty um, a month ago. Oh, that so, yeah, it was. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, lots uh, lots of quality within that that Pompey side. Mm. Yeah, um, Mick. How it's difficult how you know how we're going to how we're going to set up. We don't know. We assume Chio's going to be back fit because it's Chio. You know, we heard something. Shane Ferguson's always got a niggling injury, foot injury, back from international duty. Last time he came back from international duty, he was injured. Um, where can you see us? Any changes? Where can you see any changes from from last couple of games? Uh, I'll be honest, I can't. I mean, that that back three potentially is the is an issue. Um, but I, I, no, I, I just can't see any changes. I don't see why he would want to change it unless there are any injury worries. Uh, as you said, Shane Ferguson, 
does seem to be susceptible a little bit. But but for me, I don't see why we would change it. We've been playing so well, so well, and we've looked so strong, particularly at the back. I mean, the, the way this is teed up at the moment, it's going to be nil-nil or four apiece, isn't it? You know, it's going to be, going to be one of those games uh, by the looks of it, uh, potentially. But um, no, I, I, no changes for me, definitely not. Uh, what about Joe Matic should be back in contention, Danny? Um, for me, Icky's not been bad, but he's had a few shaky moments mm. in, in that left-hand side of position. If Matic's fully fit, here we go, Josh Smith. Matic, if Matic's fully fit, would he come in for Icky, Icky for him? Uh, where, where are you standing on that one, Danny? Um, well, from what I've seen from <clears throat> excuse me, from Warney's press, we've got a completely fit squad other than the usual suspects that we know were out, like Lindsay and, and I presume Angus for a little bit as well. Um, <clears throat> so he's got a, more or less a full register to pick from. Um, but I think because Matic is growing into that position and it's the position he wants to play in, um, and like I say, he has had, he's not been bad, but he has had a couple of moments where you've sort of gritted your teeth and gone, oh, now then. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I could see Matic coming in, um, especially after I watched back the, uh, the performance against Scunthorpe, where Icky goes to clear a ball, completely misses it, and then Scunthorpe would score. Um, so hopefully Icky doesn't do that again anytime soon. Um, but yeah, I see Josh's point about Matic coming back in. He's uh, coming into a position that he wants to play in and feels he's more suited towards. It's a bit of experience on that left hand side as well. Mm. All right, granted, he's probably going to get a yellow card. So if you want to get your bets <laughs> on now, I'd do it. Um, but, but yeah, I can, I can see I can see Matic coming in. Matic Woods and probably um, Reg in the back three for me. Mm. Yeah, I think I think I agree with that. But are you happy with that back three, Will? Any, any, any what are your thoughts on the Icky Matic question? It's a it's a good question. I would personally play Matic um, because of his experience. Um, they have uh, Marlon Romeo down that right and uh, right wing back uh, position, and probably Hackett Fairchild, uh, who's also pretty rapid. So um, I would trust Matic in that position from a defensive point of view. But also, uh, you know, Hackett Fairchild's not going to track back, so. In terms of going forward, um, that would be uh, my choice. I think the big choice for me is at left wing back, um, mm. where you would either go with Miller, who's had two weeks, well, <laughs> a oh, few weeks God. off because of his uh, suspension, um, or, or Bowler. I think I'd probably go Bowler um, mm. just for the defensive aspect. Um, but, you know, it, it's a toss-up for, for any of the three at the moment, to be honest. Um, I wouldn't want to be uh, Warney making that decision. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't either. Uh, any, we'll move a bit further forward, Mick. Chio comes back from his international exploits, having a, well, probably one of the best weeks of his life. Making, yeah. Scoring <laughs> his first international goal, making his first international start, making history. Um, is there any argument for him not to start? No. <laughs> well, they can't be, can they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, no, I can't, I can't see unless he's injured, unless he's carrying any sort of knot whatsoever. Why would you not start him? It makes no sense whatsoever. You know, he, he's played so well for Ireland. You know, he's he's, he's going to be riding on a on a on a psychological high as well as a physical high. You know, he, he's he's got to start. Um, you know, and he's it, it, going to, it's just, it'll tear them apart down that right hand side. 
uh, as he always does week in, week out. So no, I cannot see any argument for him not to start. I think okay. the only thing that I would say, just to play devil's advocate there, is you've got to bear in mind we've got three games this week. So mm. is he going to play a full 90 if he does start? Definitely not. Um, yeah. I I would definitely start him because he's he's uh, obviously coming off the emotional high of scoring your first goal and, and performing like he did for Ireland. But I think you've just got to bear in mind that probably 60 minutes in, you're probably going to see Kieran Sadler on that right-hand side. Mm. Yeah, well, then for Tuesday, if, me personally, if I was a manager, I mean, I'm not qualified, but um, if I were manager, I'd then switch it on Tuesday, have Sadlier play the majority of the game and then bring Chiu on his pace injection and just alternate it. You know, to keep, to keep them both ticking over, but to alternate stamina levels. You know, just, just keep everyone on a bit of a level playing field, especially on the right-hand side. Yeah, and if you need to inject a bit of pace, you can always got Miller. I know Miller doesn't, is not a right-side player, but he did play there against Donny in the Cup. So if, mm. if you think, right, we need a bit of pacey, you can always, Miller can fulfil that role if need to be. Uh, we are going to yeah. see a lot of rotation or a decent amount of rotation in the next seven days, I, I should think. Uh, Ardak on, on YouTube didn't think he had it in him on his head, Chio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked. Couldn't believe it. Um, the next big question really is the midfield three, Danny. We know Jimmy Lins is out, uh, probably two or three more weeks now. Um <laughs> Which midfield three are you going with? Which one? What, what, it's, it's again, it's a great question to have, but it's a big question. Yeah, and I mean, even one said in his press, it's been made easier because Lindsay's out from. <laughs> I think he said a minimum of five games. I think he's got four, not mm. four left or so. Um, but yeah, personally, I'd go with usual suspects of Rathbun, Wiles, and Barlazer. Um, and then if someone does have a bit of a knocky midfield or isn't. As, as on pace on a Tuesday, it's very easy for a Dauphin just to slot in. Mm. Um, and I think that is one of the reasons why this season is looking quite promising. It's just our strength in depth. Whenever someone's out injured or has been swapped out for somebody else, you never really go, that's a weakened position because, you know, we, we all seem to be on a similar level this season, which is <laughs> which is exceptional to see. Yeah. Yeah, I was speaking to a Portsmouth podcast the other day about obviously previewing this game, and he goes to me, where's Rudd's weakness? And well, if you're very, very quick and isolate Woody, then we've got a problem. But there isn't a ma- there isn't three or four different areas, Will, we could say, if the, if this team do this, that and the other, we're going to be in trouble. We've got not many weaknesses, and that, I think that's probably because of the depth of squad as well, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. I personally think we've got a little bit of an opportunity in terms of the transition, defensively and making sure that we're in position. And as you mentioned, you know, if you've got a team that has pace to get in behind, um, you know, two against one on, on Woody, then you're going to have an issue. But to all intents and purposes, there haven't really been, as as yet, a side that's able to, uh, to do that. Um, we are playing better sides now, so I expect a, a higher quality. But I would also expect that in these last two weeks, that's the one thing that Warney's been drilling quite heavily down on. So mm-hmm. we'll see see what comes of tomorrow. Uh, but I would imagine that'll be a key part of uh, of, of Portsmouth's game plan. I don't I don't want to tempt fear, but I mean I don't think Woody is the type of player to, to allow himself to get isolated. I've said that now and he'll go and do it on Saturday, won't he? But, well, well um, against Fleetwood, he got ragged about a little bit, didn't he? That, he did, that, he's more likely to be stepping out than stepping back. Yeah, You know what I mean? He's more likely to be stepping up into midfield than he is finding himself, you know, as last man, if you like. It's more likely to be one of his, his sidekicks, for want of a better term. 
point. The key in the in the game is is going to be um, Marquis and Woody. Mm. If if Woody can win that battle, you know we're we're in a decent place. I think. Mm. And I think I don't want to I don't think Marquis has really hurt us before, has it? And again, a touchy note would have got. Mm. We've always done quite well against. He scored lots of goals against other teams, and don't get me wrong, is is a cracking striker. But we tend to do well against teams. If 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 a player, if a team has got a striker who's really good, we tend to be quite good at shutting that one man down. Brentford and Ivan Tony is a good example from last year. From a goal scoring point of view, it's called the penalty, but he never really hurt us from a goal scoring point of view. Brentford have got a million other players who so were just as good. So, it, but in League One, we ain't got that as much. Um, yeah. Uh, more questions on the striking, Mick. Um, we should cover the Will Grigg chat we talked about last week. We were saying we were sort of saying he's got a recall option. We weren't sure if the League Cup counted towards. Playing twice in a season, it's been confirmed that he has now played for two clubs in a season. So Wilgood cannot play for another team this season. I don't know how he played in the League Cup, but they might have screwed Sunderland over a little bit, uh, not be able to move him elsewhere. Um, so it's us or Sunderland, Mick, in January. Yeah. Uh, so just January is two, we're not two and a half months away, but that does, like you mentioned on the last podcast, that does change the game having that that rule in place and him fitting in it. Uh, it does, yeah, it does. And uh, it, it puts a different complexion on the end, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I can't imagine that Sunderland would want him to stay with us if he's scoring goals for us and we are one of their competitors. How that Whether they are going to have the, the, the um, capability, for want of a better word, to, to call him back and not play him, whether that's mm. that, whether they're able to do that, whether he, he will allow it, you know... I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But I suspect if he is scoring for us and we are competing against them, they will call him back. I can't see any. I cannot see that you know they're gonna. They, they they won't unless we meet whatever their asking price is. And obviously, again, if he's scoring and we're competing, that asking price is going to be higher than it would be ordinarily. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Let's not, let's not uh, worry about it yet. We can't help it. Was football? The football fans. Yeah, yeah but come on. Worry about come on. That happened yet. Let's get into a position where in January, Sunderland are looking over the shoulder at everybody else, and we're out in distance. Then it becomes probably less of an issue. So let's try and get into that position first. Yeah, yeah. Alex Russell says good news for us potentially signing permanently in January, potentially, or at the end of the season, all depending on wages and and transfer fees and whatnot. Um, is it a Smith Grigg start for you, Danny? Can you see any argument for Coyote or Freddie to come in on Saturday anyway? Um, I think in terms of how Smith and Grigg performed in the league before the international break, I'd say keep them to win. Um, <clears throat> because they seem to be our uh, deadly duo at the minute, if you like. Um, that's not a knock or anything towards Freddie because he scored in the league cup alongside Grigg and, and Smith. Um, so I think if you are going to replace one or the other, just to rest them for Tuesday a little bit, I'd bring Freddie on because um, he has shown us he is still capable. And I think he might have had a bit of a kick up the backside going, you just need to put in a little bit more work. So, And he, I mean, he got on to Boller's exceptional cross in the league, <laughs> yeah. in the EFL Cup, by the way. Uh, and he edited it in. I didn't know Freddie could edit the ball. Um, he's, now proved, <laughs> he's now proved that he can. So that might be a good combination if Ogbeni's got his crossing eye on. You know, we might see that. We might see Smith score. If again, because Warnie said 
Okay, one of the things Ogben is lacking is his ability to accurately cross the ball. One of the highest crosses into the box in the league, but there's just no meeting of it in the box. Because I think I saw, I saw a stat that he's done 77 crosses into the box, but only 17 have been met in the box. Mm-hmm. So if those increase a little bit, Lord knows how many goals we'll get from effectively route one football crossing to mix as someone lumps his head on it and it's in. It's just asking for Woody just to charge at it and edit in. Um but yeah but for me I'd say Smith and Griggs to start but then probably Ladipo will come on maybe in about 60 70 minutes ish. Mm. Okay all day depending on who one thinks will suit the system better. Mm. Yeah the, the crushing thing will it's it's like the shooting shooting stats we talked about a few weeks ago. It sounds really simple but if you just get someone to end at cross, there's going to be goals. It's if you have a shot, eventually you're going to score. It sounds really simple, but it's clearly not. The most important thing is, you know, we we have to have people inside that are creating chances. And mm. for every uh, for every seven touches uh, that um, Chio uh, makes, he creates a chance for Rotherham United. So that is. <laughs> That's a big, big thing for us. That's why he is so coveted throughout this league. And there are, um, you know, questions over the quality of his crossing. But you could also argue that you've got to have players in the box making that, making those runs to meet that as well. So there's a mixture of both there, I think. Um, and I think we're starting to see a little bit more of Chio becoming a complete player. Um, for me, one of the best wingers in the league, but not the best winger in the league. Uh, the best winger in the league that I've seen this season is Oladapo Afalayan. Uh, and I think Chio can learn a little bit from um, Afalayan in terms of his end product. Um, yes, that's the point that I was going to make. <laughs> that sentence seemed to end very quickly. Will. Yeah. He, he seems to kind of beat it out Yes. <laughs> One of those things were like, do you know, you're asking yourself, what was the question? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully I covered it. Yes, absolutely. Um, Arak says that I should ask Tiger to come back and coach him, Mick. Um, yeah, I mean, I've said this before, and it, and it is it is a controversial one, this, but I, if Chio had the ability to cross the ball like T- Tony Towner did, Tony Towner's crown would be slipping, I think, because he is potentially that good. Um, he's got a little bit more than, than than Tony Towner had in terms of pace. Well, he's got a little bit more of pace than, than the vast majority of people, to be fair. Um, you know, and, he, and, and he'll take a player on like Towner did and beat him like Towner did. If he had that end product, he would be a better player. And I'm, that's saying something because he's one of my all-time favourite Millers, uh, Tony Towner. But Chio has definitely got the potential to be better than he was, I think. I might get shot having said that from a few people of my age, but I, that's my that's just my view. You know, it, it does remind me of him so much when he when he gets that ball at his feet and he, he just gets his head down and he, he takes a takes a defender on, he just makes the you can I can see the I can see the expression on the defender's face and it takes me back to nineteen eighty one, you know what I mean? It's just exactly the same same expression of complete fear and alarm and dread and yeah, just get, it, um, they will be working on that end result. And, and, and the point that Will's made there, you know, every seven touches he creates a chance. Maybe he is as good because that is a hell of a start. Yeah, it is. I agree. 
Um, so we're going to split this episode into sort of a little bit of a half now. So we're going to talk about stats and ref watch and things like that in a second. As many listeners will know, we have spoken to Kirk Broadfoot this week. Um, me, Danny, and Mick spoke to him last night. So I've got, we've put, put together a tiny little bit of a trailer for you. Um, the trailer I've put together is a couple of clips where we were talking about his time on Neil Warnock. So here's a couple of minutes of what to expect from the Kirk Broadfoot episode coming up in the next week or so. Uh, well, the first meeting we had, he actually said to us, what am I doing here? <laughs> uh, have you seen your fixtures? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get a clean pair of socks. What's going on here? That was his God, the honest truth. That was his first, first meeting, and we were like, just looking at you, you know, what's going on here? But uh, the man was a genius, honestly, a genius. Because the way he got the team playing, it just suited us down to a tee. Um, honestly, like, I genuinely believe if he came back the year after, we'd have been fighting for promotion. Without a doubt, I just felt under him the way he set us up and the way he got the team playing that we could beat anyone in one day. I genuinely believe that we were going out there and we were going to win. There was no one going to score against us and we would score. That that's generally the way I felt playing under him. How he set us up, just it was brilliant. Even to get Greg playing in that midfield role and just working along the road, but it was brilliant. So it was, it was a genius, honestly, a genius. They loved it. They loved all of that. Even getting off the bus when all their fans and that was melting and walking in, winding them all up. So it was, it was brilliant. Um, it was just, I think, what was his team talk? I'm sure it was something down along the lines of, I've never been beat here. If I get beat here or something, I'll no be back. Or, it was something crazy like that. And, and then, then when we beat them 1 0, he was like, Right, okay, I'll see you, Freddy. I'm going home for a swim in my swimming pool and I drive my Aston Martin. See you later. <laughs> uh, so that'll be out later on this week. That, that, the last clip was after we beat Sheffield Wednesday uh, in that one, in the Great Escape part. Uh, a really good chat, really good interview. We'll sort of set the expectations now. Uh, he couldn't talk about the incident with James McLean. Uh, there is actually an injunction against it. Where he's not allowed to talk about it, he, he, he talks. He talks a little bit about the, the injunction about on it and things like that. And um, so there's not. A, we talk about the band and how it affected him, but we, we, we couldn't. He's not allowed to talk about the actual incident itself. Um, so don't expect that part of it. But everything else is really good. He talks about signing under Steve Evans, the six managers he's sort of played under at his time. It was a very good one, it meant. It was. I, I guess the injunction's there to stop Mr. McLean getting embarrassed by whatever it is he said or did, you know, uh, but didn't get done for. So that's my guess reading between the lines. But yeah, it was good. It was good. You might need a Scottish interpreter at times because he, <laughs> he, he really does go deep into that accent, doesn't he? But yeah, what a fella. What a lovely fella. Uh, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed talking to him. Yeah, it was good, anyone. Other than the Wi-Fi issues at the end of the episode, which oh. everyone will hear, it was superb. <laughs> oh, I swear my Wi-Fi broke it in Scotland. It, it, it that moment where where I don't know what it was. My my Wi-Fi just suddenly spiked, and then the Wi-Fi in Scotland just went like that, and just and just turned off, and so we ended up losing Kirky for a little bit. But um, the gentleman is he came back for about five minutes and kept chatting. So yeah, I apologise for breaking the Wi-Fi in Scotland. <laughs> 
Yeah, what a guy for doing that. We do really appreciate it. And we should chat with Liam Morrison again, the Inverness Caledonian Digital Media guy who didn't need to do this, but really helped us put it together. Uh, so shout out to him. That will be out in the middle of next week. We've got the Wiccan game. So we'll probably do it after the Wiccan game once Mick's had time to edit the video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no pressure, Mick. Um, <laughs> couple of stats on the game. Uh, it's not a particularly regular fixture, Pompey. We've only played at home against Portsmouth three times since 1981. And one of them were in the League Cup. Um, the last time we won, uh, last time we played them, sorry, uh, Will, you put a video out earlier. The Joe Matic goal uh, in 2018, January 2018. Uh, sorry, 2017, sorry. Um, I suspect it's going to be... It were, it were a tough old afternoon, that one. Well, I remember the game and it was quite a late goal. We sort of expect a similar sort of different manager, but it's expecting a similar sort of game, really, I suppose. Yeah, 91st minute, if I remember rightly. Yeah. I think uh, Smudge uh, hung up across to the uh, the back post and there Joe Mattett was, leaping like a salmon from nowhere <laughs> yeah. to, to bring us a little bit of January joy. I remember um, that. <laughs> um, yeah, very, very similar game, I would imagine. Um it's going to be a game of very few uh, opportunities, I think. Um, Pompey, I think, uh, the side that have conceded the fourth least uh, shots on, on goal so far. So, um, expecting a very tight encounter, given the fact that both sides also don't concede goals. Um, as I said, given the international break, the two man the managers that I wouldn't want to give that time to, to prepare are the Cowleys. Um, mm. So I don't know how, how or what we'll see the setup to be. I know that they're still struggling a little bit with injuries. Um, I also know that we might see um, some old faces of, uh, of Rotherham uh, tail. So uh, Sean Raggett will definitely yeah. play. Uh, he's had really, really good season so far. Um, we might see a little bit of George Hurst. Um, sure, we'll, we'll nip onto that subject. Uh, the one I think that we won't see, unfortunately, is uh, is Clark Robertson, who I think is is still out for injury. Um, which you know, best of luck for for Clark in getting back to fitness. Yeah, not surprised. At least surprised thing I've heard all season, but I am gutted for him because he's such a good player on his day. I'm, I'm glad he's not playing against us, but um, but for him, I can only imagine. Um, Mick, I'm now going to ruin your weekend by telling you who the referee is. Um, oh God! Oh. I'm going to see if you can guess what the referee was. It wasn't the Swansea game, and it wasn't a referee last season. Is there any other referees from recent time which you think was a where we had a very bad afternoon against? Uh, Trevor Kettles, obviously. It's obvious, not Trevor Kettles. Really. I, don't know. I, I think we've heard that by now. Um, is it the same one who refereed the whole City game? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> All in the oh, FA Jesus Cup. Christ. January 2020. Anthony Backhouse is the referee. That was one of the worst refereeing performances I have ever seen in a professional football game. Bar none. So, I mean, yeah, but whatever. Mick, you've seen Darren Bond week in, week out. No, and, and, can I just say... No, let me say, let me rephrase what I've just said. It's the second worst referee in this performance I have ever seen. Because obviously I forgot about Gavin Ward. I'm not mentioning him for a few weeks. So, um, yeah, I mean that was an appalling performance that day. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully he had a he had an off day. Let's keep our fingers crossed because that was really poor. It was. I knew he'd. I knew he'd enjoy that. No, oh, great. <laughs> if anybody did watch it, it's worth going back and watching the highlights because all three goals. 
shouldn't have happened. Um, but we're over that, aren't we, Mick? No. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm over that. I'm over that. I've got I've got bigger fish to fry now, Mr. Gavin Ward. <laughs> so, somebody else is going to get my anger directed at him. Uh, on the FA Cup, it's FA Cup draw weekend. Uh, FA Cup uh, first round draw on Sunday at one o'clock. I love the FA Cup. Just first few rounds are genuinely something special. Play some of the teams that are coming through um, in, from, into the first round. Uh, I'm really, really looking forward to that stuff. So I think it's five past one on ITV. Uh, the program starts, so I think we're both 36 as well. But I'm sure you'll be able to find all that out on the official website, and uh, we'll obviously tweet some out as and when it comes through. Um, Will brought him up, Danny. So let's talk about the man, George Hurst. Uh, <laughs> I talked to a Pom Portsmouth guy the other day, and he don't want first Christmas. He asked me what about George Hurst. Um, I struggle to find anything positive to say about his time with us last season. If there is anything positive, I don't know what it is. Is there anything positive you can think of last season? Um, I think the only positive I can think of is that he's he's been very consistent with us and mm. Portsmouth in his form. Um, so you could say that's like a counter swing to a positive for us. Um, but it's, it's effectively nailed on that George Hurst will be one that does a geomatic at New York Stadium tomorrow. It's it's effectively nailed on, really, isn't it? Um, but it, it is a shame because... He came to Rotherham with such high hopes, especially from Warney and us like thinking, you know, he's a young lad and he want and he wants to play his football, so let's see how he does. But it just completely fell on his face. And he never he never scored for us, which is the one thing you don't really want to see from a striker is him not scoring. Um but I, I do I do think it it could be a little bit to do with the legacy he has to live up to, with his dad being David Hurst. Um, but at the same time, from what the Portsmouth fans have been saying, he's got that little bit of a Premier League chip on his shoulder. Like he, mm. he knows he's better than Portsmouth level, um, <clears throat> and so, so that could be another downside. He, he tries to play himself into too much of a good light, and it just backfires all the time. So I don't know. Maybe this could be the universe's way of trying to trying to humble him a little bit, or it could be the same thing of you just need to sort yourself out, lad. Potentially, yeah. You weren't with us, obviously, last season, Will, so I'll ask your opinion on George Hurst. I, when I spoke to the Portsmouth fans about it, I, I, was, I wasn't very kind. I was sort of saying, I can't really pick you many things out. I thought he did well for us last season. I don't think his first touch was particularly good. It didn't look like he could score a goal. At times, he looked confused on the pitch as to where the ball was and where it should go. It's frustrating because he should be a good player. He scored a ton of goals at youth level. And it feels like there should be a player there, but it was so frustrating to watch him. I think just to just to start this off, there is no one that wanted George Hurst to score more last season than me. I really wanted to sing that song all <laughs> season, especially against Wednesday. That would have been brilliant. Yeah. That can get clipped by Wednesday fans if they're, if they're, <laughs> if they're, they're after that. Um, he, listen, he's a player that, for me, last season didn't get much game time. So, although whilst he wasn't great when he did come on the pitch, I didn't want to judge him too much from his time here because he wasn't given a run of games. But he's also now not getting a run of games at the level below. And I think at that point, you've got to start to look at what the issue is. Is it an issue of, you know, a manager just doesn't fancy, which is now two managers in a row, if that's the case? Or is there a problem in terms of the application, in terms of this kid's not doing it in training, so he isn't starting games? 
Um, I spoke to a Pompey fan um, after their EFL um, game against uh, Sutton, in which uh, Hursty, I believe, played. Mm-hmm. Um, and his words were, he doesn't look like a professional footballer, um, which is a little bit harsh. Um, but he, as of yet, he's not shown anywhere mm-hmm. near enough. And that's why he's he's now nowhere near this this Portsmouth side. Um mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, just be the luck tomorrow that he, he goes and bags an hat trick and then comes and <laughs> celebrates in front of us all. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- I think there is a player there. It's just someone's going to try and unlock it. And to be honest, George has got to want to unlock it himself. Yeah, we said last season a lot that we thought he did. He shouldn't have been playing the championship last season. We thought he needed to drop down League One, maybe even League Two. He, it, number one, he needs to play games. Like Will's mentioned, he needs to play games. But if he's going to League One and like says and not getting games in League One, there's not many places left for him to go. If he's not, it's clearly it's not working for him. One, one, for one reason or another, he's got to question himself. The problem that you've got here is is he's talking himself out of other moves because yeah. financially there's not a lot of clubs certainly at this level that can afford to pay for George Hurst. That's why Portsmouth have, have got him because they have a little bit more of a budget and they thought it was going to be worth it. But who's going to pay his wages when... He, I mean, I wouldn't put it... I don't know whether there's a clause in the contract, but I don't know whether Portsmouth can, can send him back in January. Who's taking that? Is it Who's taking the loan? Is it going to be Salford? Mm. Just to throw a little bit of money at it? I don't think... Mm. You know, with the way that they're looking to recruit at the moment, I don't think they're going to chuck money at it. So, where's his next opportunity going to come from? Wrexham. Wrexham. <laughs> well, you never know. Why? Why would it necessarily be a club that, that, that's throwing the money about? I mean, it's uh, a lot of money for this level, isn't it? I'd ask a question about George Hurst, and and this is a genuine question. I don't know what the issue is, but I'm sure that there is an issue somewhere within that package, within either the winning his past, within him as a player or him as a player with his dad. I, d- I don't know. I, I just wonder, and I ask this as a question, not a statement or an assumption, as his dad oversold him over the years, was that what the issue... I know there were some issues behind the scenes down at Swillsboro when he was there, um, between his dad and the board and the management team in relation to George. I, I just I asked that question: Has he oversold him, and and has people bought it? Because let's be fair, he certainly was not anywhere close to being a championship striker. He was like a rabbit in the headlights a lot of the time, and he did look. He looked out of place, didn't he? You know, he just he, he kind of looked like he didn't know what he was doing, and and and. I don't know. I, I just asked that as a question. I don't know whether that's right or not, but I just get the feeling that maybe he's been oversold. Um, and, and Leicester have bought it, um, and now they can't really do a great deal about it. I think in in today's day and age, it's it, every every player is going to be oversold by an agent. That it's it's the data that that sets out yeah. uh, whether a player is good enough or not to be at a club. And obviously, Leicester saw his his youth record and, and took him on, and uh, and, and now given him well. multiple mm. opportunities on loan. Uh, to go and prove his worth. So, um, you know, people have seen his worth. Um, mm. It's it's now down to him to go out and, and show it that, you know, and prove that he's worth the yeah. money that people are willing to pay for him. 
Yeah, and, and let's and let's sort of set this out. We're not sort of sitting here saying we hope he's rubbish. No, no, he's absolutely. To be a very good player for Rotherham United. Yeah. We, we, we were all desperate for him to do well. So this yeah, is yeah, not 100%. A, you know, this is not a, it's for not because it's a shut way for Wednesday things. If anyone's watching this thinking, oh, they just start slagging off, we're genuinely not. Yeah, we genuinely yeah. really wanted it to well for us. Um, in the so, last yeah. few weeks of the season, every every week I was saying Jorge is going to score and win his win his game, and, and we'll stay <laughs> yeah, yeah. every single game at the end of the season, and it's like he's going to score. Oh, oh no, Lewis Wing scored. Oh, we're drawn. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. If you put, I, I, I'll be tempted to put a bit of money on him scoring tomorrow. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> be very typical. Uh, Carl Scott's with us. He, th- he mentions last five games against Pompey have been tight. Three twos, one nils. Always tight games. Uh, I think we all expect a sort, sort of similar story. Yeah. Maybe not three two, but a similar sort of story. Um, Chris Welsh with us. A Carl Alfan. He thinks it's going to be one nil. Um, to us. Uh, he also asks how Kilyode is doing. Um, he's doing okay. He's not playing as much as he wants to, but he's scored. In, I, we mentioned on the last episode, he's scored an international duty, so he's clearly taking those chances. And for me, he's probably third choice striker. Um, well, interestingly, he played as a winger at Carlisle, didn't he? He played a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why that. Why? Why the difference? But, I mean, we've, it's not as though we've not. <laughs> it's not as though we ain't going any other wingers, is it? You know what I mean? I was going to say, do you want to chuck him out wide? Where are you going to put him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. I didn't think that's wingers really. like Steve Evans used to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've lost my notes. Where am I? Uh, Ian Bradley's with us. Uh, late to the party, but thanks for joining us, Ian. Um, let's go through the score predictions um, because we're probably near, not far off done. Uh, Will, do you want to start us off? Uh, what, what's your prediction for tomorrow? Mm, that's... That's tough. Um, one nil. To us? Yeah, one nil Millers. Cool. <laughs> Danny? Um, like, like I said before, with Portsmouth, it's going to be a tight game. Um, I, I mean, it, it has one nil either way written all over it, but I'm going to be positive and I'm going to say one nil to Rotherham. Style. Uh, I'm going to go one one, which is what I've said on both. Pompey podcast. Our home forms. I know we've won the last couple at home. One being in the in the Carabao, not Carabao, Pizza Trophy. Uh, the home form still a concern to me. So, but if we win Saturday against Portsmouth, that that's then the start of a run at home. Um, it could potentially be a big win for us if we do. It, but I'm going to go one-one. Uh, Mick, I don't know. I can't decide between nil-nil and one-one. I just can't see there being anything in it at all. Um, you know, with how tight both defences are. Um, I'm going to go one-one. I'm going to go one-one. Okay. I mean, I mean, one-one's not a bad result either. No, it's not a bad result for either team, is it? But three points will be better for us, obviously. I think it is a case um, of it. Just don't lose. If, if we don't lose, I'm happy because mm-hmm. we're game against Portsmouth. It could end up being a six-pointer come end of the season. So as long yeah. as we don't, as long as we don't lose, it could help us out a little bit. It could, but then you look at the next few games. We'll, we'll, you know, on paper, we're going to be saying that about on the next four games: Portsmouth, Wickham, mm. McDonald, Sunderland. One of We're saying all this, and we're saying all this, and being incredibly cautious. And and then when you actually step back, if you take a step back and look at the quality football that we've been playing over the last few games, even 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 to the point when we lost. Um, against Fleetwood, some of the some of the football that we played, even in that yeah. game, was absolutely outstanding. 
and 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 if you if you then look at some of the other teams, some of the other games that are, that are going on on TV that are on League One that are from League One, if you can find one, um, you know the, the, the quality is just not there. It's not there in these other sides. So maybe we're just trying to be. Maybe we're just being a bit overcautious. Maybe we're you know, I don't know. We'll see. But I still think it's going to be one-one. Yeah, I'd rather said all that. We've got to get a home form. That's the that's the key thing. If we were away from home, I think I suspect we might all be a bit more positive because of how good our yeah. away form is. And the Portsmouth yeah, yeah. home form was was decent. Um, I mean, to be fair though, the away form isn't that much better than the home form. The home form is behind by like one or two results. So, so it's yeah. not it's not like it's not like there's like a massive gulf in form difference. It's just that the home form is lagging behind a little bit. Um, but you know, we've got three home games. In the next four, in the, out of the next four, so like, like we said, this could be our chance to go right. We can nail down our own form a bit now and properly get the ball rolling. Mm. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, Carl Scott <laughs> thinks it's going to be two nil. Um, and I went on Stephen Gauntley put this on earlier. Uh, he says three one to the Millers. Hope you're all right about that. Uh, it's just we're just about done. I think. Um, so what we'll get all these all these bits. And so if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you've subscribed. We're nearly touching 350 subscribers. So if you're not already on it, please do dip us over that uh, that cross that number. Um, we've prior today asking for if anybody's got, got a graphic design uh, records or students want to get involved with us. Uh, Mick wants to get some stuff in the shop out and other stuff which we could probably do with some help with because uh, we are not the most <laughs> useful at certain things. <laughs> um, that's been kind. Um, yeah, if you check out newyorktalk.co.uk, there's a couple of articles from Danny talking about the international breaks. Uh, Lewis Oldham has put up something up looking at these uh, the best signings from each of the last 10 seasons, which is a good little walk down memory lane looking at some really good players that we've signed over the past few years as well. Uh, and we'll be back probably Sunday evening, I think, uh, is when we're next going to be back. Where we're going to review the Portsmouth game, review the FA Cup draw, which is coming up on Sunday afternoon, and then look ahead Saturday, Tuesday. We've got Wickham coming up, coming to New York on Tuesday as well. Uh, it doesn't get any easier. Uh, I think it's fair to say. Uh, and also check out Tivoli View. Will's always got Tivoli View. Check out the great stuff that he does over there as well. Uh, while you're looking for some rather nice stuff to do over the weekend. Uh, any other topics that you guys want to touch on or touch base with before we uh, leave? I have a thing. Oh, oh. <laughs> it, it's not really relevant to the next run of games, but I just want to point it out because we're live and just in case anyone else is thinking of doing it. Um, so as we know, the Ipswich tickets have just gone on sale and we've got about about four, four and a half, about 450 tickets to sell. And we know how Ipswich have done their COVID regulations. It is a little bit like Fort Knox trying to get in there. So when you buy said ticket, it also comes with a letter outlining everything that's that's restricted at the ground so, so on your letter you've got arrival time lateral flow vaccination history negative test vaccination history mask wearing and the directions to portman road as well all on this letter that the club's obviously sent um so yeah i just thought i'd make everyone aware of that just to double check your your ticket envelopes that you get from the club so make sure you don't chuck the letter out do we know if they check? Because I went to Wembley the other day for the England game, and that said you had to bring proof of your history. But nobody checked anything. Do we know if it's which you're checking? Um, apparently, that's why the arrival time is put on the ticket. Because on the ticket, it says entry time half six to seven um, for the quarter for to eight. For a quarter to eight kickoff? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It's like, it's like, all right, fair enough. That, that could be for their fans as well. But if there's going to be about 450 of us there, it's not going to take us half an hour to get checked by everybody. Mate, no, it um, takes us an hour to get into New York Stadium without, without any COVID yeah. tests and stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> True. But yeah, it, it does say about um, you need to have your proof of negative lateral flow test or proof of a double vaccination. And then that has a subsection for each one. Um, so yeah, and just make sure it's all logged on NHS app because you just do it yeah. on there. Just get your COVID passport and then go, there you go, right. Into ground, I think. I don't know whether anybody else has got any experience of it at Ipswich, but certainly, like Matt said at Wembley, and I'm off to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday for the American football, and the the same the same criteria put in place that you need to have that with you just in case you are checked. I think they're doing spot checks essentially of of supporters rather than checking everybody, which obviously would be would be ridiculous. But you know. I'm not. I'm not convinced about it. Switch. It just seems that they seem to be very much of an very much an outlier in, in football terms. Uh, in terms of the way that they're in League One, anyway. I, I, will, <laughs> I, I was going to carry that sentence on, but I might as well just end it there now. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I don't know of any other football clubs, certainly outside the Premier League or even inside the Premier League, that that are. Um, are doing this same thing now. Whether they whether they apply the same rules to the home supporters as well, uh, it'd be interesting. Interesting to know. Um, it, it, I don't know. It just smacked to me. You know, when we first heard it, I just thought that's just a way of of trying to sort of persuade away supporters not to come. That might be with my cynical mind. I don't know because I am a bit of an old cynic, but nobody else is doing it. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing with what they're doing because of the current no, no. And, and checking folk, but it's just that if everybody else were doing it, I w- you wouldn't have an issue with it. But it's mm. because, especially at New York State, it's just, yeah, in you go. Oh, you've got your ticket. Oh, can I check your bag? Right, in you go, and that's it. But, and there's not even spot checks at New York Stadium, as far as I'm aware, but no. with Ipswich, even if there are just the odd spot check, it's like, but you're the only ones doing it, lads. Yeah, you know, it's a bit it, bizarre. It's, it's like... Are the cases really high in Suffolk or something? Or well, I'm sure. But close to the game, we 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 often speak to other podcasts. We will ask the question you know, when we speak to the other guys. We will ask the question to those to those fans who go on a regular basis. See if we can get any more information for our fans who are going. Um, but we'll see about that. Russ Burns with his mm. final final comment. He thinks it's going to be going to be two one to the Millers tomorrow, and he saw me and Will at the Scunny game. Uh, nice to see you there, Russ. Um, so yeah, thank you all for watching. If you've uh, unless on YouTube, subscribe. I've gone through all that already. Keep an eye out in midweek for the Kirk Brother episode. We don't know exactly when it's gonna be out. So keep an eye on the socials because we will put something out before it goes out. And there's a couple of bits in there which are really good and real very, very interesting. So you will want to listen to that, I assure you. Uh, but yeah, thank you all, thank you, Will, thank you, Mick, thank you, Danny. Thank you all for watching and listening, and we'll see you next time.